Welcome to our three-part housing series where we talk about various issues advancing the housing process. We'll talk about Section 8 housing, we'll talk about displacement, single-family zoning, and those ever-pesky additional dwelling units. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. Joining me this week is Nadia Lopez, San Jose City Hall reporter. Another big topic in the housing front is anti-displacement. Anti-displacement has really come to the forefront with the conversation with Google moving to San Jose and the Dearden Station area plan. And let's just remind everyone the three P's of housing production. I feel like we should have a chart and everything going on here. Production, (laughs) protection, and preservation. And the most interesting part of displacement is looking at what other cities around the country are doing. Nadia, let's talk about that. Right. So... Protection in the three P's of housing really means protecting the communities that already live in the cities that we're inhabiting. Preservation means preserving the affordable housing that we have. And production means producing more of that housing. So for all income levels, especially. And Gavin Newsom, in his opening address as governor, decided to bring this up and made that kind of the forefront of his goal as governor for his first year of office. And so I think there's it's safe to say there's a national trend happening right now where people are really looking at different ways to curb displacement. And everybody's focusing a lot on production, produce, produce, produce. And we are seeing that across the board. We talk a lot about it in California, especially because of our housing crisis. But a lot of people aren't really talking so much about the protection and preservation aspect to it. So some cities that have been include here in the Bay Area, you see some places, I believe it's in San Francisco, where if a developer or a landlord has some property to sell, they first have to give it up the option to sell it to a nonprofit organization, a nonprofit-owned kind of trust, and that nonprofit will be able to distribute those units to people of all mixed income levels for affordable housing for different kinds of individuals. In Portland, you also see the same thing happening. Portland, Oregon, you have a really interesting new kind of law that is called the right to return policy. So what it basically means is that when after decades of displacement and gentrification, African-Americans are given priority to move back into neighborhoods that they've been displaced from in affordable housing units. In addition to that, they're given, everybody's given um, a right to an attorney if they're facing uh, some kind of eviction. So those are ways that I think other cities are trying to curb displacement and prevent it really from happening because as we see in our region, it's easy to bolster the economy, to create, you know, booming sense of, of wealth and of prosperity. But with that come these these negative effects that make us question who really deserves to live here, who really deserves to live in a place. And if you don't fall under a certain category of of income, then maybe you're not welcome. So as cities kind of grapple with this, they're trying to say, well, no, we should 
include all kinds of people here. So, yeah, I think it's it's one of those law of unintended consequences for prosperity of a region and where Silicon Valley has been adding so many jobs year over year. And you look at how well it's doing for the country. Mm-hmm. It, I think the people I talk to in different neighborhoods around the Google development, they feel like it's my neighborhood. I've lived here forever. Who's taking care of me? And I predict there's going to be a pretty big backlash as far as the voters go in the future. Because whereas sometimes government will put taxes on developers or corporations, I wouldn't be surprised if a ballot measure came out from one of these cities that said, okay, you're doing really well, city, but you have to protect us. And if you were going to like tax you with a protection measure from your economic stability or driving in economic development, It'll be interesting to see what ballot measures come out because that's what often happens here in California. Whenever the pendulum swings too far one way, the voters come out and say, what about us? Right. And specifically with the Google development in San Jose, that development has already spurred so much contention among the community, I think, because one, it's massive. It's in downtown. It's Google, and it's taking a really long time. <laughs> well, it will take a really long time. I And I also think the thing that is, if I think the thing that nobody really addresses is that if it was not Google, let's say it was piecemeal development around Dearden, right? Like, let's say one company was coming in with 500,000 square feet, another company with 700,000 square feet, and it was done piecemeal over 10 years. Nobody would really be talking about displacement, I think they would really be kind of focused on how do we get the permits faster? How do we add more jobs? Google's become this lightning rod and this kind of banner for anti-displacement because it's easy to Mm -hmm. attack a corporation. Mm -hmm. Corporations, as we see through the election cycle, they don't pay their fair share in taxes. They're not always the best uh, community members. And so I think it's really drawn attention to something that no one's talking as loudly as needed. I think that inevitably when neighborhoods drastically change, even if it's through longer periods of time, we see this with urban village developments, we see this with any single time uh, corridor changes, or uh, we saw that happen along Alm Rock Avenue with the express busway. Any single time we see these big infrastructure changes, People feel that they are at risk of being potentially displaced because some people see an opportunity, some developers or some companies see an opportunity to make a lot of money in this place. It's now all of a sudden super desirable. And the existing community feels that, oh, crap, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my business if they're going to build a multiplex unit here what's going to happen to my family or how am I going to provide for them or um, how am I going to afford the new rent now I think that people have a reason to be nervous and anxious about these developments because oftentimes developers aren't really honest about the kinds of changes that are happening in neighborhoods and I think it's important for the city to continue 
performing outreach and to continue having these community meetings, even if sometimes they may feel that they don't really get anywhere, right? At the same time, it kind of demonstrates that, hey, we value the kind of input that you have here. And so the difficulty in that, and especially with this massive project, the Duradon Station area, is trying to, from the city perspective, educate and inform the community about the what's in it for me aspect. This isn't just about Google. What is this going to bring to the existing community? What are the things that people want in that community? Do they want certain kinds of public amenities? Do they want a new library, a fire station? Uh, What kinds of resources can the city bring in with this development that people are feeling anxious by? Or what can the city guarantee that, hey, I understand this is a fear of yours. Let me address it by proposing this. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that to happen just because we won't see the development of this massive infrastructure project really flower for a long time. So the city has multiple opportunities to do that. And I think that if there will always be attitudes about people that don't want any kind of change whatsoever, but if the city and these developers work together to bring a good understanding of how this might help the existing community in a development, that might be a better way to spur some positive attitude towards it. Yeah, that's a very good point. I also look at, I attended a community meeting last night where mm-hmm. there was a lot of older people upset about a potential development in their neighborhood. And one of the things that kind of they were talking about you know, how young people go to a hotel and how they take an Uber to a hotel. Mm-hmm. And this older gentleman was talking about, I take a rental car to a hotel. And it made me really kind of think about outreach. And we're talking about displacement, about how do we get that information out there? Because you look at social media and Twitter and all these other kind of more comfortable ways of doing that. But it's also a generational problem. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you mail something out and somebody just throws it in the trash. It says from the city of San Jose planning department. I think the educational aspect of it's also difficult because people like to show up to a community meeting to kind of complain. But how are the people who are just there going to be educated and informed? And how are they going to get their input? And I think that's kind of an interesting dichotomy of technology and generational challenges that they still haven't quite figured out yet. Right. And I think that, especially with that generational gap, what I've heard, at least in a lot of community meetings, is that people are afraid to see uh, multiplex, multifamily units or duplexes of any sorts or triplexes in otherwise single-family home neighborhoods because those people have been living there for 20, 30 years. They've really invested in their home. They care a lot about the people that live around them, their neighbors, their park, their whatever it might be. They care a lot about it. They don't want to see that change because that's the community they come from. And it reminds me a lot of how other we've seen drastically how other cities in the Bay Area have changed, how Oakland has changed, how San Francisco has changed, and how the exodus of African-Americans in the Bay Area. I can't imagine how difficult it might be for a person who grew up in the Fillmore District of San Francisco all of a sudden move back there and see that it doesn't look anything like what it was 20 years ago. So that's the kind of fear that 
drives people to have these hostile attitudes. And that exists here in San Jose too. And it doesn't matter what you look like or where you come from. What matters is this has been my home for 20 years. And what gives you a right to change that for me? So there is a generational gap. But I think what needs to be said is to younger people, yeah, you're renting. Maybe you don't have as much, you don't care as much, you know, because it isn't something you're thinking about right now. But appreciate it because there's a lot to appreciate about the place you live in, especially given this housing market. And then to the older generation, say, given those concerns in mind, we also need some kind of change to make things better for future generations, for your kids, for your grandchildren, because it's so unaffordable here in California now. No one can afford a home. Absolutely. And I think you make a really great point. And and I think all those points are part of what, you know, we'll be seeing in the future with Google and other right. projects and Reed Hill View and and all these other projects that are saying. So that's right. a great conversation on anti-displacement. So thank you. And we'll talk to you soon.